You're listening to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, a podcast for music fans, where musicians and friends share some drinks and talk about the top 12 songs by an artist without all that technical jargon. Join us for episode 51. This week's artist, Johnny Cash. J.R. Cash grew up in poverty in Dice, Arkansas, later enlisted in the Air Force as a codebreaker in Germany. When he was done with enlistment, he was determined to be a singer and eventually was signed by Sun Records. Before he knew it, he was on tour with Elvis Presley and became a huge star. After drug addiction led to a downturn in the early 60s, he recorded one of the most famous albums of all time, At Folsom Prison in 1968. This led to a top-rated variety TV show in the early 70s, but eventually his career began to decline. He hit rock bottom in the early 90s before a meeting with Rick Rubin after a show that eventually resulted in Cash signing to American Records. Cash soared to popularity recording four albums from 1994 to 2002, just before his death in 2003, with enough material left over to make two additional albums that would come out posthumously. More than any other artist we've covered, an icon around 90 albums and one of the most beloved artists of all time, let's talk about the legend's best songs with your hosts, Rob Heitman, Jacob Newkirk, and singer, producer, and composer, Stephen <laughs> Petrie. Hey, welcome to the Dirty Dozen. We'll rank the Dirty Dozen or Top 12 Johnny Cash songs while discussing his music and pounding back a few brews or drams, as the case may be. I'm Rob. I'm Jake. I'm Steven. The producer. We call him the producer. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. It was a great intro. I believed you. <laughs> oh, so welcome to, this is your first experience on the three person. Correct. This is your first threesome with us, which is. Uh, okay. The, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was Jake. Okay. How did you first hear of Johnny Cash? Let's start with Jake. I couldn't even tell you. It's, he's one of those guys that's just part of pop culture. But I think when I started to really pay attention, I was probably around high school, maybe 95 when the American recordings were coming out. I wasn't even into country at the time, but later on, I kind of developed a taste for it. But I think what's kind of cool about him is that he's country, but he's rock, gospel, Americana. Uh, no matter who you are, you got to give props to Johnny Cash. He's the, the Hellraiser outlaw, but also this um, preacher common man, you know? Yep. Steve? How did you first hear of Johnny Cash? I think it might have been at Venice Beach because they have those shirts. Oh, and some right. famous picture where he's flipping off yeah. the camera. Yeah. And it's like, who is this guy? So I would say mine was visual before I even heard it. It was literally, I, I can think of seeing that t-shirt. So his outlaw sort of rep. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And I even remember that same picture, I think looking through LA Weekly when Rick Rubin did the whole American recording thing and there was a promotion, a whole page of him, like um, he's all in black and he's just kind of this. Um, it this looked punk, punk rock to me. Yeah. It looked like, screw it. Like, but that. like vintage, like doing it before, before anyone else. It was, yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, my dad was into Cash. So mm. I remember a couple of songs when I first started learning guitar, I'd come up and play and I took lessons for a little bit when I was a child and I was able to play a couple Cash songs, at least part of it. I wasn't playing the whole thing, but I did Ghost Riders in the Sky or uh, Tennessee Flat Top Bob and I was able to play it. And my dad was like, oh my gosh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I kind of always had that. And I just remember him playing tunes and uh, getting the reaction from my father. I think that always kind of mm. made it part of that's cool. what year? my world. Oh, if I just took, it's probably 81, 81. Yeah. That was yeah. like Kenny Rogers for me, 81. We doing that one? <laughs> well, we kind of did it in the country episode. If anybody wants more deep country, deep country Kenny Rogers hits, part three of the country albums, he's on there on the third one. This isn't my song of note, but Johnny Cash did The Gambler. I don't know if it's on oh, the yeah. list. Probably not. I didn't really like it. Okay, Steve, without discussing a specific song, what's the one thing that you learned about Johnny Cash in this podcast research? 
I think Johnny Cash himself and his voice and delivery and conviction makes every song great. Even though if I were to have to pinpoint and judge musically, oh, this one's more musical or this one's more rhythmic or this one's more. It's like a steady line that just goes. It's him that makes all these songs that are maybe average or above average mm-hmm. great. And so it was hard for me to to even choose. It's like it almost it matters because we're doing a show, but it kind of doesn't matter because I just want to listen to him. And so I think his voice and the passion or conviction of his delivery is what makes Johnny Cash work for me. Yeah, I think it's also because he has that deep, rough voice that you don't have. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and it's just natural. Just he's a baritone. He just but I think when I talk about the delivery it's that you believe him mm-hmm. no matter if he's singing about you know not any specific song a black issue or a white issue or a gray issue or a red it's it the conviction is real he yeah. sang that song for a reason yeah. and because of that he could sell it and that just that delivery is very attractive and real and it connects to the human emotion totally. i think there was a bono quote that i read about he's saying that johnny cash wasn't always on key but he's always on truth and it's yeah. that thing of like, yeah, you can't argue that. Yeah. Jake's I don't know. I'm no authority on him, but I've done, I've read a lot of books because I've dived into a lot of cash stuff. And what I learned is just, I, I knew I had a lot of albums, but not close to a hundred. It, it's intense. It's crazy. It's uh, something. And you listen of. to every song. No. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it was, I have a really weird thing because I've always been a cash fan as I talked to before, but I learned some nuances that I didn't know before. And these are nuances that I should never know, or nor do I need to know. But his daughter, Roseanne Cash, you know where her name came from? It was, she was named after the pet names for his wife, Vivian's breasts. Rose and Anne. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Good there we go. Everything you hear about Johnny Cash just makes you love him more. <laughs> from watching, like, uh, I Walk the Line, the movie, or something like that, you have a idea that it was Vivian and then it was June Carter Cash, right? Mm-hmm. That was it. He found the lover's life and he switched. But the reality of it, I read this book, Johnny Cash, The Life. Really good book, but it, talk, it digs into new specifics. And there were two other women in the interim between Vivian and June that he had talked about leaving his wife for in that process. One was a 16-year-old. Ended up marrying his Whoa. producer. Well, he was hanging out with Jerry Lee Lewis. What do you want? Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> notorious. But I mean, they were worried about some backlash, and his manager ended up marrying her. And he was He's 35. Like, Johnny, you can't do this, but I can. <laughs> yeah, but- <laughs> he, was, he was 35 and she was 16, but they made her 17 and they made him 27 in the announcement. But that wasn't their actual age. Yikes. But anyway, it was so weird back then They like that Jerry Lee Lewis had a career after. He, yeah. She was like 13. Wasn't she also his cousin or something? Well, yeah, it was crazy. He always told the guys. Yeah, that I, makes I it wrong. Interview, <laughs> hey, guys, when they were touring, I, I heard it in one of the interviews uh, researching this, this episode. And Jerry Lee Lewis was like, I'm going to hell. Like, oh, he yeah. really believed that. I, I yeah. saw that one, yeah. And then he would tell all the guys, you guys are all going to hell, too. Yeah, when he'd get drunk and he'd <laughs> yeah. start saying, yeah. <laughs> crazy. Preacher, he went to seminary. Oh, mm-hmm. we're not doing Jerry Lee Lewis, but that that was they were they were buds. Yep, they were the tight knit uh, Sun Records guys. Yeah, all of that. So we're drinking Johnny Johnny, Wal- Johnny? like Cash Johnny Walker in this case. 
Black. Black. That's in the Man in Black. Let's. I tried to do something kind of like That's that. That's clever. So we're drinking Johnny Walker Black Scotch. What do you guys think? I'm sipping it. I like it. It yeah. has a big ice cube in it. Mine's neat. I love it. It's I good. actually it's really love it. Just smoky enough. Yeah. It's one of those ones that's just a staple, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's reasonably priced. If anybody wants to get a decent scotch, if you want to step up in the red label, the red label's good for mixing. You need to make a rusty nail. You need to do something like that. Red label's fine. But it has that sort of... It tastes expensive. Yeah. <laughs> but the black label is just an extra, like, five bucks. And it's really worth that. I agree. Yeah, I love shit. it. Yeah. That should be the uh, advertisement. It tastes, tastes expensive. expensive. <laughs> it tastes fancy. That's some fancy stuff right there. I don't know who you are. That's good stuff. Uh, before we begin, we will get critically reviewing songs. We will share under 20 seconds of each tune, unless there is a specific issue or criticism that we may need to highlight. Then we may do a second clip. We have made Apple Music and Spotify playlists. Just search Official Dirty Dozen on either service to listen to each of our lists in their entirety. This way, all the money for playing tunes will always go back to Johnny Cash and his estate. We have also created a current episode Dirty Dozen podcast playlist, which will automatically update with each podcast of the current podcast. So subscribe once and always be updated. Now we're simplifying the cast. If you've been following along on this season so far, instead of one person reviewing each of their individual lists, we're combining it into one list. And we're going to count down from 12 to one. And as we go through it, I'll just kind of mention where we each had this song ranked. And if you didn't understand that, you can rewind it and listen to Rob again. Cause that's yes, pretty I, deep. That's slow that was speed. awesome. <laughs> Before we get going with that list, we'll discuss a song that wouldn't be in the top 12, but you really want to discuss. We call this our song of note. So let's start with Steve. What's your song of note? That's a really good question. <laughs> I wrote it here somewhere. It's here. My song of note is In the Garden. 1912, it was written. It's a traditional or public domain song. The conviction he sings with, the simple gospel song was on the album, The Apostle. That's the one I listened to it from. And I put in my note, he probably sang this for his mama and for Jesus. I think for me, the reason that it's my song of note is because... I think if you were to take all of the worldly pleasures and the drive for recording contracts, the drive for success, the drive for applause, I think Johnny Cash would have been a gospel artist. That's where he went in the original. This is what I want to do. Yeah. And, and, and Sam Phillips was like, I can't, I can't yeah, sell this. You got to, you got to, I don't want to say compromise and make something weird out of this, but we, that doesn't sell. It's like come back. You got to be else. come up with something mm-hmm. sexy, you mm-hmm. know. So in 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 where I'm coming from, it, is it strips away even the artistry of Johnny Cash and kind of points toward where I think his soul was. Yeah, and I think in the garden is a great song. But the way he sang it, I believe him, as I believe him on all the other ones as well. But this has the entertainment part stripped away. It has the success the record labels stripped away and it's kind of how i perceive god made johnny cash yeah and i think my comment about why he sang it for his mama it was written in 1912 he was born in the 30s his mom would have been at that age where church culture and thing that song was probably being sung in the church so if if you were a churchgoer in that time so his mom probably played that or sang it or they sang it in church Mm -hmm. and it connected him to something outside of this world this is what i imagine of why he would sing a song like this yeah it's the hill song oceans of its day (laughs) you know what i'm not gonna argue (laughs) 
but why would this cool dude do this song? And yeah. I think it's because it's what his heart, where his heart really was. Yeah. yeah I mean, he was friends with Billy Graham. He was really yeah. like he had Billy Graham over his house and he was call him up when he had a problem. He just at a certain point in the seventies, they were really tight and we did all of the mm-hmm. crusades and mm-hmm. all that. So yeah. So this was actually on my mother's hymn book, which was a secondary release after he died. Mm-hmm. This came out in 2004. He died in 2003. Yeah. It's a great song. So let's listen to Steve's song of note. In the garden. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tear. Okay, that's Steve's song, A Note in the Garden. Nice. My voice. And it's like something you almost hear in a church. To some degree, it is. it's pretty yeah. much there's not that big instrumentation. There's not the right rock guitar, drums, bass, <clears throat> all that stuff. It's just Johnny Cash being mm-hmm. a gospel singer at that point. To your point. All right, uh, Jake, what's your song of note? To stay in the gospel family, we're going to keep it nice. This is a gospel set. No, <laughs> this one won't be. I mean, I it's, it's unavoidable, though, when you're talking about Johnny Cash. It's yeah, you're going to a huge of part of his life. So. Um, yeah, so I went with the song on a, a tribute to Willie Nelson in 96, an album that came out called Twisted Willie. The song was called Time of the Preacher. And what was cool about this one to me is that it had Sean Kinney, the drummer for Allison Chains, Chris Novoselic, the bass player for Nirvana, and then Kim Thale, guitar player in Soundgarden. So they're all doing this this song, this backing band, this amazing band that, you know. With Johnny Cash leads Yeah, singing, with Johnny Cash so weird, singing, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know, I came across this song after 96 at some point, but I was like, whoa, what is this? The album's, it's, it's worth listening through. It's not exceptional, but, but this song, this it's, song it's, is, yeah, it's, it's powerful. It's, it's really cool. The weird thing about this when I was listening to it, I was, it was kind of like they have this rock moment and then it's like him playing normal acoustic guitar. Yeah, the contrast. Thing, and, yeah. and it kind of pulled through. I mean, he sings over some rock stuff too, mm-hmm. but it's, he still has this like, no, I have to keep my verse is going to be the way I've always done it. We're <laughs> going to keep it that way. And then they drift off and then they come back in and it's, it's the ebb and flow of that song. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. 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 So yeah, they shouldn't work together, but it does. It does. Yeah. Steve, I'm taking, you haven't heard this song. This is a pretty, I can't cut. wait. All right. So let's listen to Jake's song of note, Time of the Preacher, off of Twisted Willie, ouch, in 1996. Okay, that's Time of the Preacher. It's got Kim Thales sloppy guitar solos. That yeah, that, that's his best solo ever. No, not really. But it's just interesting to have those folks together yeah. playing with Johnny Cash. It's just this weird thing that should never work. The drums are very 1990s. That snare. The sound, yeah. Snap. <laughs> I was going to say very Jake. I was going to say very Jake. Yeah. That's you funny. like that snare? Yeah. It's too high pitched. Yeah. I don't like the, the piccolo kind of sounding yeah, stuff. Yeah. And the like reverb. Some something with the reverb. But that was popular at the time. Yeah. I listen to it now and I'm like, Ugh. even the Pearl Jam record. I was going to say, I know you've said like, about Ugh. that 10 album that you don't like the drums. The, the, the reverb is awful. <laughs> Did I mention Steve's a producer? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I am going to go. My song of note is one of my early songs on guitar, which I kind of talked about a little bit before. Ghost Riders in the Sky off of mm-hmm. Silver. I always remember the Johnny Cash version because my father had the Cash sort of vibe coming yeah. in the house. So that was the one I heard, or it may have been the Highwaymen. I don't remember which one I specifically heard. The Highwaymen version is really cool too, with mm-hmm. Willie Nelson mm-hmm. in on doing some vocals with uh, Johnny. A great tune. Love the tremolo and the reverb on the guitar. Piano and the horns actually work so well on this too. Yippee Kayo, Yippee Kaye, Ghost Riders in the Sky. The melodic break or solo, I guess, is great too. And yeah, I just, I really love this song. So have you guys, you've, you've heard this one? I've I'm heard sure. it. There's mm-hmm. some, I think, two reasons why to me it just sounds, it's just, I don't know. I don't connect with it. And it also reminds me of the song when it says, Yippee Kaye, Cal Patty. I, for some reason, Cal Patty. like, yeah, have you heard that song? No. <laughs> it says that, and I'm like, eh, this is kind of cheesy for me. Uh, I don't, maybe it was the cheese factor of it, even though it just doesn't connect with me. I think it's the guitar riff that kind of centered the song, and I listened to all this cash, and this is one that like, jumped out. I was like, oh my God, it's a guitar. It's like a, the lead part of this thing. It kind of pulls it together. And I this- think the vocals are what I don't like. Okay. Not his as much as the background vocals to me. Are oh, like, yeah. Uh, there's something about it I don't connect with. Okay. I, I like the song, but it is very um, cowboy western movie vibe. And I also don't like the Highwaymen so much. All the stuff they did, I felt like it was kind of contrived and enforced. But what about I, the Highway Women? <laughs> this isn't the Highwaymen version, by the way. Just oh, good. Yeah. No, but I do like the song. I'm glad you threw it in there because it is, it is cheesy, but um, I still like it. All right, let's listen to my cheesy song of note. <laughs> Ghost Riders in the Sky, which I love I'm to death. So. All right, let's take a listen. Mortal cry. Is that the guitar part? The the the, the lead yeah. part? Is that what yeah. you learned? Yeah, that, that's the mm. best part of the, the, the best part. But actually, if you listen to the Highwaymen version, that's like the lead part. That's what they start off with. They down there, down there, down there. That's the best part. It's doom, do, do, do. That's the coolest part. I it's, think the vocals again. Yeah. I, I it hit me the exact same. I'm like, Ugh, get rid of the, the but girl. It's, the the country part <laughs> is that the the Fender guitar sound with that, like I said, the phase effect on it. That was yeah. yeah. Well, he's got the, the Fender amp with that old school tremolo and reverb on there. You know, where you just turn the knob, and that's all from that. It's mm-hmm. not from I love it. Anything. Was that a twin? It's, it's probably just a twin or a Princeton Reverb or whatever was. I guess this is what. This could be anything because it's in 79. <laughs> I could tell. I yeah. could tell it was 79. It, yeah, it's dated. Yeah, but it's still awesome. Yeah. Cool. It's awesome dated. <laughs> yeah, it's comfortable. Like, it just sounds like that time. You just want to wrap up in it. Yeah. I, I, I think this is probably one of his top songs, generically probably. speaking. Yeah. yeah. But for me, it just. I'm, I'm glad it's your song of note. Yeah, it's my song of note. And if you think of when I was growing up and my age at that point, and my father listening to it around the house and hearing and it. And you could play the riff. And I could play the riff. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of like, hey, hey. Cool. That's there like we go. sweet child of mine. <laughs> yeah, it was sweet child of mine of the, the, the late 70s when you're a little kid. You're seven years old. You have your first Sears guitar. And you need to learn to lick. <laughs> God bless Sears. Yeah, that catalog. Oh, gosh, it was crazy. All right, let's jump into this thing now. All right, let's start with the number 12. Oh, we're starting? We're starting. Jumping right in. Is that all right? Are you okay? I thought we started. I'm having fun. Well, we're we're, we're doing the actual list. Yeah, I love it. So, number 12, this is not on my list, but it's on both of y'all's. Oh. And 
Jake, you nailed it. You had it as your number 12. And Steve, you had hmm. it as your number 10. Wow. And it made the list by barely, but it made it. It's off of American 5, 100 Highways. Mm-hmm. God's going to cut you down. Mm-hmm. So, Steve, you had the highest pick of these two. So can you start okay. talking about it? I love the rhythm. The mm. rhythm of it is simple, but it's haunting. It sets the tone. Stomp clap, stomp clap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say the first few times I heard it, it took me a minute to, to think that, why is God going to cut me down? Like, what the... Like, that's a little harsh sounding, but lyrically, it like kind of cut me a little bit. I like the dark blues tone. I think it's gritty. I think it has great authority. I also think it's a strong warning from a man, Johnny Cash, who knows the kind of hell you're going to go through when you go down that path and you're going to have to answer for those decisions. It kind of sobers you up, you know? Mm. Jake, you have anything more? Yeah, it's one of those, like we talked about a traditional Americana song, like it's, it's not like he wrote it, but his goth country version, I think is, is special. It's stand out to me. And kind of like you said, it's, it's a warning that you can't escape God's judgment. But I thought what's interesting, the, the video, the black and white video with the, the cameos of all these like famous people, I don't know why they're in this, but you can't help but think. They have no he, idea why they're in this, but yeah. Yeah, but like that he's probably speaking about and to these people. These people like it's like Jay Z, Owen Wilson. Oh, well, hold on, I have the I have the list ready. David Allen Coe, wow, Patricia Arquette, yeah. Travis Barker, Peter Blake, Bono, Bono, sorry, <laughs> Boner, <laughs> no, Bono, uh, Sheryl Crow, Johnny Depp, the Dixie Chicks, or just the Chicks. I'm sorry, <laughs> Lee, Billy Gibbons, Whoopi Goldberg, Woody Harrelson, Dennis Hopper, Terrence Howard, so Jay Z, yeah. Mick Jones, Kid Rock, Anthony Kiedis, Chris Christopherson, Amy Lee, Tommy Lee, Adam Levine. Uh, Shelby Lynn, Chris Martin, Kate Moss, Graham Nash, Iggy Pop, Lisa Marie Presley, Q-Tip, whoever that is, uh, Corinne Belly Ray, Keith Richards, Chris Rock, Rick Rubin, Patti Smith. That's oh, fun. Smith. Rick Rubin. Uh, Sharon Stone, Justin Timberlake, Kanye West, wow. Brian Wilson, and Owen Wilson. All right. I'm not Jake, but I'll draw a, a line. The Bob Dylan song, You Gotta Serve Somebody. Yeah. You think of all the people he covers no matter if you're the down and outer you're the celebrity you're the influencer whatever we're all gonna have to answer for the same stuff we all have the same human heart yep that's my take on that this is the first album that came out after johnny died so that's probably why they said oh he just died can you come and do this video for it and you can sing over it it's gonna be good yeah they probably thought it's a great you know promotion for them but that's why the irony wasn't lost on word yeah emotion's a key word artists and people they'll do stuff that doesn't make sense yeah. because it makes us talk but about there's it. there's a name that they want to maybe kind of be associated with too but that's why i was going to say that the irony that he's saying all these things to all probably all the people in the video who um they might be preaching too and guess what they're responsible now yeah yeah <laughs> they've heard <laughs> they've been called out and you know what we should be called out too yeah i love the slide up and back in around eight seconds in the song it's like really early and it, just to tell them God's going to cut them down, they have this little drop back I kind of like. Anyway, great song. So let's listen to our number 12, God's Going to Cut You Down, off American 5, 100 Highways. Let's listen. Go tell that long-tongued liar. Go and tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Tell them that God's going to cut them down. Tell them that God's going to cut them down. Okay, that's number 12. Marilyn Manson did a 
covered. Yeah, he also covered this. I didn't watch it. Once Johnny Cash has done it, yeah, why that way, do it again? Sort of that goth country twist to it. Um, it it just sounds like he's covering Johnny Cash. Right, right. Yeah, it's weird. I think Johnny Cash is one of the only people who truly makes this his own. You know, it's kind of a mm-hmm. kind of a trope in the industry or whatever. Oh, he made it his own, but Johnny Cash actually makes this his own. Well, makes his it voice his is too big to not yeah. deny. It's you can't like, step up. And he, <laughs> and he changes the vocal melody usually when he does it because he's like, yeah. ah, this is how I'm, like when he Ooh, like Rusty Cage song yeah. entirely or, or you know whatever it's, the music itself on that one completely just, different. Yeah. <laughs> However, crazy. the Gambler, I think Kenny was better. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> Well, Kenny has his own thing, too. All right. Jumping from something on both of your lists to something uh-huh. on neither of your lists, but on mine and pretty high. Oh, this is going to suck. Here. My number five. I'm joking. Are you yeah, using... if, if there's my number five, this is why it's number 11, because you guys are idiots. Uh, <laughs> we must have missed it. it. It's a song written by Chris Christopherson. Uh, Sunday morning. Sunday morning coming down. Which, I didn't pick it because I love Chris Christopherson's version. See, I had never heard Chris Christopherson's oh, version. Oh, I like that. So I've always heard Johnny Cash's version, and that's the only version I've ever heard. It's all about the beer for breakfast line. That's <laughs> no, that's a great line. Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually quite interesting. So I had at, another or something? No. What was, it? What was the next yeah, one? Yeah, <laughs> so and, and I had another one for dessert. For dessert. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the interesting thing is Chris Christopherson didn't write it for himself. He actually tried to sell it to Johnny Cash. He has a master's degree from Oxford. Who? Okay. This is Chris Christopherson. I didn't know that. He was a captain in the U.S. Army, and he took a janitor job at Columbia Records. I remember that story. Because he wanted to get in, wow. and he was a songwriter, and he wanted to get Johnny's attention. Johnny always kind of poo-pooed all his advances because he's a janitor, right? But he also, since he was in the military, worked as a helicopter pilot for a certain number of hours a month. So he decided to land his helicopter in front of Johnny Cash's house. And the way that Johnny Cash tells the story, this is not the same way Chris Christopherson tells the story. He had the tape of Sunday morning coming down and a beer in his hand. He knew. <laughs> and, and he had the tub. And he's like, unless you listen to this, I'm not going to move my chopper. <laughs> Chris says that the way I remember it is Johnny didn't even come out of the house. He had somebody come out of the house. And I handed him a tape that wasn't actually Sunday morning coming down, but it was another song that he liked. Then it kind of rolled from there and he realized he was a good songwriter and he got in that way. So, I, I love that story. That doesn't happen like, these I days. don't even care who the people are in the story. Like That's yeah. desperation of wanting to like make it. Yeah, commitment. <laughs> And the song itself was, the way he released it, was when he was doing his Johnny Cash show on TV. This is one that he taped from there. And mm. he was like, well, we want to put an album out. And he decided to put this song on there. He sung it on the air. And this is one of the things, kind of like The Doors, if you listen to that podcast, uh, that the censors told him to change the lyrics. Wishing Lord that I was stoned to wishing Lord that I was home. Right. What'd he do? So this is his his show on ABC. This is Big Chance. He looked at Chris Christopherson while he sang it. And he's like, Lord wishing I was stoned. And he, and he said it actually over the air. So he was still at Outlaw, even though he had yeah. his own well, Because TV it's show. true. Watched a, an interview with Johnny Cash after he w- had been in recovery. And he was like, why do people get stoned? Because they want to feel good. Just admit it. Yeah. That honesty goes through his music yeah whether he's singing about jesus or drugs yeah. or or heartache or whatever yeah. and where like, that all real yeah 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 it's all about a hangover really the song is a hangover going out partying really hard saturday sunday morning you come around nobody's around and your head is pounding and you're coming putting on down. a dirty shirt 
You're just getting yourself together. You're just getting Didn't you have a lyric? I fumbled through the closet and found my cleanest dirty shirt. That's a great line. Only someone who's lived that can write that. is write a great that. line. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's listen to Sunday Morning Coming Down, and I'm going to do the live version. This is off of his Johnny Cash show. This is number 11. On a Sunday morning sidewalk. Sunday that makes a body okay that's a darn good song it's It's almost too clever it's almost too smart it's that storytelling that you're just like man it's storytelling but poetic too Mm -hmm. like that's why i was shocked you guys didn't have it on your list at all no i i I remember when i listened to this and judged this song i was walking in my Mm -hmm. neighborhood Mm -hmm. and i was listening to it and i was waiting for the rhymes that i thought should be there and they weren't. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. It was almost like Cheryl Crow songs to me, where I think they're so smart. I don't want to say pretentious because I don't want to dog on any one song, but there's something in there that is too clean for Johnny Cash. I can okay. be a fool. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, because everybody drinks beer in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to number 10. Good choice, Rob. I, I yeah. affirm that, even though it wasn't on my list. Yeah, this next song was actually on my list, but it fell off. It was mm. near the bottom of my list, but it fell off. But it's number 10. Uh, it was not on Jake's list. It was not on my list, which I just said. Mm. But it was pretty high on somebody who was really yelling at the system a couple minutes ago. His number three. <laughs> wow. Dang. His number three is Jackson with uh, oh, yeah. Carrying On with June Carter. So. Should I talk about yeah, it first? Yeah, start, yeah, yeah. You, you, it's your song. She really. is the fireball. And the chemistry between those two in this song, mm-hmm. and yep. I will say the movie helped me. I walked the line, that is. Because you could, they were fighting. He was like, what, what's up, man? Are you going to sing this song? You're going to let all these people that he was like kind of manipulating it, in the movie. I don't know yeah, if that yeah, was yeah. really true, mm-hmm. accurate, but... Something in her voice, she sells this song as much as he does. And you know what? She hangs with him. Their sure. chemistry between those yeah. two oh, it's great. was obvious it. in life. They married, but... Oh, they actually was- married at the end, although the movie's wrong. He didn't stop at mid-song and say, I won't finish this song. Which was badass. That was right. awesome. <laughs> right. In reality, he waited till the song Jackson, same song, was over. And he proposed to her, and that was supposedly the last song, but he's like, we're not going to leave, and we're not going to finish the show. We're going to play like one or two songs more if you don't see yes, you know, that sort of thing. He did that's that. That's awesome. But he, did it, yeah. but he didn't do it mid-song. That's the right. only difference. But a lot of it's true, right? Yeah, that's awesome. And, and but that did. song has fire to it. Yeah. And I yeah. will admit, this is the entertainment side of who Johnny Cash was. Mm. He was an entertainer in this song. I'm judging it on... The energy that's in this recording to me is fire. Oh no, it's a great mm-hmm. song, absolutely great song. Yeah, the exchange between them—that's that, I think that's what really transcends it all. Is that you can you can feel sort of the romance and kind of everything going on the the firecracker between the two. I think he judged her above him. Absolutely. So let's listen to number ten, Jackson, off of "Carrying On" with June Carter in 1967. The number 10 song on the countdown. He got married in a fever, hotter than a pepper sprout. We've been talking about Jackson ever since the fire went out. I'm going to Jackson. 
Jackson. I'm gonna mess around. Okay, that's number 10. I Jackson. love her. She's the star of this. Song, I would have sure. married her too. <laughs> well, and, and what I heard too, I mean, the, the movie portrays it where he's kind of pursuing her, but I heard it was the other way around that she was kind of just um, kind of had her sights I on think him the, and, the chemistry between those two, I think it's a perfect match. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Like, Which you can see played out singing, through. Yeah, you know, right. like I can feel it from them. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move to number nine. Two people actually have this on their list. Heck yeah. And Jake is not one of them. Oh. This is my number 11. Is it hurt? And Steve's <laughs> number six. Boy Named Sue. Oh. Off of At St. Quentin. Steve, you might as well take it. All right. This song is a little gimmicky. I admit it. Yeah. And that's why it's not on Jake's list. If I know him. <laughs> no gimmicks for Jake. No did, gimmicks. When you dig into the research... This song was not written by Johnny. I'm going off the top of my head. Yes, Shel Silverstein. Yes, who was a cartoonist who had this rapist wit. This is a <laughs> quote from a movie. I'm kidding. It was a quote from a movie. Was Dumb that a Woody Allen movie? Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> no, Dumb and Dumber. Tell me I'm rich and uh, I'm good looking and uh, I have a rapist wit. But he had a cartoonist kind of outlook, right? Yeah. So he, I could totally get how he could write this song. So the story, the story always helps the song. And I hate to admit that. He wasn't going to play this song in June, according to the story, mm-hmm. when they played in San Quentin. Yep. She was like, you should play this because the prisoners are going to freaking love this. And he's like, I don't know it. She's like, write this crap down. I'm making kind of. I'm well, well she, she, she actually took the lyric sheet. Yes. And, and she like, put it in his bag. And was like, you need to sing this song. They're going to love this. And he did. And the recording of it it's is so that... like us three. We play music together. Yeah. Yeah. When we play, when it's the first time you play it as a band and you're connected, there's something electric and spontaneous and like hmm. freaking awesome about and it. That with this song, they didn't practice it before they Correct. played it. Correct. Right. He walked up, he goes, play something, I'm going to sing something too. <laughs> and get a groove. And the band didn't know. <laughs> yeah. They just tried to follow. Yeah. And that on was the, the recording. On the spot. That was yeah. the song. Yeah. And yeah. that to me is, is rock and roll. Well, yeah. There's a formula. But June, so look, let's, let's look at it. June was in it being in a prison and singing is just freaking already yeah, that's badass yeah. <laughs> and then the song is a little gimmicky with all of those elements that i learned doing the research of why songs would fit in my top 12 mm. that made me bump it way up because she was involved his heart was in it he loved her it was in the prison. It was a live recording. It was raw. It wasn't rehearsed. It's everything that I yeah. I think is great about like music. That. Yeah, I like that. And the song is freaking cool. Like it has a story, and it's it's great. It reminds me of a Kenny Rogers song. <laughs> it tells a story. <laughs> everything comes back to Kenny Rogers. It does, I guess. <laughs> I love the way he ends a phrase in some of these. It's just so good. He has this little shuffle. It's this phrase at the end. Boy named Sue. Like drag that out and do some weird things to it. It's great. And I love it at the end. He goes, if I ever had a son, I would name him Bill or George or anything but Sue. Okay. I heard the story. Then I went back and listened to the recording to see if the story is true. Mm -hmm. When I listened to it, 
it rings true to me. It does. You can hear him learning it on the yes. fly. Okay. And you can hear it. the reaction from the crowd Everything in is. it. The evidence points to this story is true. Yeah. And by the way, the, the whole idea of this song is some father who was leaving home, didn't want his kid to be soft, named him Sue as his name. <laughs> right. And he grew up his whole life hating it and getting beat up. And, and going to kill his father, which was a popular okay. yeah. now or then. Right. Right. And, he, and it, when he grew up, he went to try to find his father. Yep. To kill him. him. And, to kill him. And they, start, <laughs> and they start fighting. And he's like, well, my dad was pretty strong. He pulled out a knife. I didn't see it. He cut off my ear. And right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so awesome. So in your saying this to the people that said quit on top of it, who could probably relate to that probably more than most. <laughs> Let's listen to number nine, a boy named Sue off of at San Quentin. Let's listen. But before he left, he went and named me Sue. Well, he must have thought that it was quite a joke and it got a lot of laughs from a lots of folks. Seems I had to fight my whole life through. Some gal would giggle and I'd get red and some guy'd laugh and I'd bust his head. I'll tell you, life ain't easy for a boy named Sue. My guess is that Johnny loved that song. He heard it like there was a demo or something because he knew those words. You know what I mean? He internalized those words. It felt that way. Especially in that atmosphere. You know, I read also, though, and it kind of is a downer that all the crowd screams and everything were added later because they were afraid to uh, mute this. get rest. Mute this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of deflated the whole thing for me. Well, well I, I know for Folsom, they definitely did. Yeah. Hey, so yeah, uh, one of my favorite worship records, I swear <laughs> to you, and I have this from two witnesses of the guys that were in the band, and I will not tell you which band, <laughs> they sample <laughs> Queen concert from Wembley. In the background? In their show <laughs> which boy from oklahoma <laughs> no yeah that's fine go ahead and say that yeah no it was not that but like i Jeremy was like, I was like <laughs> never i was like really like you did that it's show business you yeah. know what i mean and so, it's probably harder to pinpoint that source <laughs> as opposed to like music to plagiarize from right i mean a crowd sounds like a crowd don't run it for me jake <laughs> I know. Well, John Mark McMillan loved that sound. <laughs> you think he would? All right, let's let's go to uh, number eight. Uh, number eight on the countdown. Once again, Jake is on the bench, and Steve and I are the only people who chose this one. Really? Yeah. This is my number you twelve. Have to at least acknowledge it. What song is this? this, this we, he, Steve doesn't even know, but he's still pissed. <laughs> He knows it's my number 12, and that's all he knows. It's my number eight. So no, I'm no, no. This isn't your number eight. This is the number eight overall. Oh, okay. This is uh, my number 12, and this is Steve's number five. Wow. Jake, you're really off tonight. In what, 1971, it's off of the Men, the Men in Black album. Not Men in Black. Men in Black with Will Smith. <laughs> 1995. There we go. Yeah. No, off of the Men in Black album. And you can guess what song it is, Steve. It's Men in Black. Yeah. So. Jake. Yeah. You know it, it's hard. I have 12 songs. To Too pick. cliche for you? No, it's just one of those things like I relate to his be honest, the sentiment yeah. behind it, the, to relate to the downtrodden being the common man. And I love that about him that he made, took his pedestal and kind of used it for that. But it, I have 12 songs and it, it didn't make it. Only it made my 90, 12 songs. So we can't really talk too much. <laughs> All right, you go. 
Well, it's my 12th song. 12th? Yeah, it's my 12th overall. It's your fifth oh, overall. Oh, see, you barely made it. Yeah, so I was just a little bit better than Jake okay. in this. A little better. Cash's drummer, Fluke Holland, he said, back then we leave on tour. The longer you wear clothes you had on, the better it was. So if you had black, it wouldn't show dirt quite as quickly as anything else. And he mm. thinks that's why Johnny Cash uh, wore black? That, that's the real reason. It's the only thing that they wanted to dress kind of alike in the day. And that was the only type of shirt they all had was black. But Johnny, even when they questioned him and pushed him on that, he's like, no, I'm a writer. want to stand up and talk about these things. And from now on, moving forward, this is why I'm doing it. But back then, you know, if you want to go back to 1958, yeah, that's why. But this is 1971. Wow. And this is why I'm writing it. I wear black for the poor and the beaten down. Living for the, the hopeless, hungry side of town. I wear it for the prisoner who has paid a long price for his crime, but is there just because he's a victim of the times, and it goes on and on. So it's to make people think. I'm wearing black, everybody, to make people think yeah, about it, yeah, the injustice of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is, the old people not being taken care of, which right. is in there, mm-hmm. which are Christian values, which line up with his worldview. Mm-hmm. He talks about Christian right. not knowing Christ in there, too. Yeah. So all of that, I think for me, I think this meant something to him. And I think that's why it was so high up on my list. Yeah. Sure. I, I tried to view these songs, if you go with my opening, of Johnny Cash makes these songs come alive. I love Johnny Cash, no matter what song he's singing. Which song does Johnny Cash attach to the most is kind of how I mm. made my list. It was like the commercial. Which Johnny one? Cash makes music come alive. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> But Men it's in Black politi- is a great it's song. It's a political activist kind of song, though, right? Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. But it's, he's mm-hmm. kind of just standing up and he's like, listen, you guys think you know who I am, but this is who I am. This is why I wear, wear this. Not this because is... my shirts have pit stains <laughs> in them. <laughs> it's a great song. So Men in Black. Uh, sorry. Men <laughs> I keep saying that, darn, darn it. We should do a review We, 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 we got to do a Will Smith thing. Uh, so, <laughs> all right. Number eight, Man in Black, off of the Man in Black album by Johnny Cash with Man in Black, Man in Black, Man in Black. <laughs> all right. Let's listen to our number eight. Listen for the things that I have on. I wear the black for the poor and the beaten down. Living in the hopeless, hungry side of town I wear it for the prisoner Who has long paid for his crime But is the- Okay, that's number eight, Man in Black. So, <laughs> just look at your... Singular. I don't mess it up again. Do you remember the, the band One Bad Pig? No. No? I read Three Little Pigs. You got me on that one. That was Green Jello. They were in the Christian sort of like, they played Cornerstone back when it was like... What was it called? One Bad Pig. They were like a kind of a punk rock band, but they were um, too edgy for the time to bridge that the, the Christian message and then right. the, the music. But anyway, on one of the albums, they had um, they covered this and he sang on it. So it's like this punk rock song and he's uh, singing. Look it up. Yeah. Wait, who's singing? Johnny Cash. The pig. He, they got him to sing. Yes. On it? Yes. Or oh, really? Him? No, there's like a picture of him in the studio with them. Wow. Yeah, with their mohawks and everything. No, that's good cool. for Johnny. Yeah. Did Johnny get the mohawk too? That'd be awesome. That would be cool. <laughs> All died and. Uh... Oh, yeah, no, it's never going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, it's like when you see him with the guys you had on your uh, Song of Note from right, yeah. Nirvana just, and yeah. Soundgarden and Alice yeah. in Chains. Yeah, that's crazy. 
All right, let's go to number seven. This one I did not have on my list, but y'all did. Steve, this was your number 12. And Jake, this was your number three. Oh, wow. Uh, this is off of American Ooh. Six, Ain't No Grave. And yeah. it's the title track off of that. Jake, since it's your baby, go, go for it. This album is downright heavy. When I put this one on, you're quiet. You listen to it start to finish. I put it in the car even on the way to church one time with the family and everyone just sitting there like it, it stops even kids in the back just to listen to this this voice there's something about it i don't know if it's powerful just because it's like posthumous and he talks a lot about his dying but there's it's hummus hummus, yeah, hummus. <laughs> i love hummus i'm eating hummus I do too. <laughs> but it it's moving to hear him talk about knowing where he's going and believe it in his voice there's a strong theme of peace and hope kind of like he's talking to you from the other side of it all he he recorded and then died and you're listening to it so he's already there but there's just something about this entire album to me that it it's different from any album i've ever heard in my life i just it, when i put this one on i'm almost a little bit scared or nervous to put on because i know it's just you hit start. are you going to be able to sing that <laughs> <laughs> but on top of well, that seven years after yeah, i mean like, this yeah, is on the right. 78th this would be his 78th birthday when this came out and he died when he yeah. was 71. So. Right. But still the, the, the theme of the entire thing, you can tell it's just, yeah. it's, I think it was intentional. I think he knew, I think he knew and he was kind of capping his career. He had his faith and he knew he had his um, position. And I think he was kind of, do you think it's, he thought he was going to die or that June had just died and he wanted yeah, to shortly out of here. Yeah. And, and he's like, Both. that brought it forward. Cause it was what, four months after she yeah. died, he died. Yeah. And he said that he went into the studio three days after she died. He said it was therapy, but I imagine this is one of the songs that he sung at that time. And that's why it's such a emotional, not that it, Johnny Cash does not have emotional songs generally, right? but this is more not of his upcoming death. I think more than June's. I think it's the truth of what he yeah. believed. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. No matter who it is. I think it could even be said, I'm singing this to the devil. I'm not scared of the, any of this shit. Right. Because he's he's at that point where like, whether it's tomorrow it, or seven years, yeah. he, he knows that it, he's kind of at that point, that age. And he knows that it's kind of wrapping up. And I, I think, think he looked older than he really Yeah, he looked bad. He looked 10 years older. <laughs> when I saw him at the end in this final concert, I was like, like this we're dude's before, 98. I thought he was like, yeah, in his <laughs> mid 80s, but he was 71. Yeah. So yeah. it pays. Children, um, listen to this. Yeah. Take drugs your are bad. Say no to drugs. <laughs> On top of all that, I think just the song itself, it has that kind of what we talked about too, that stomp and clap. Oh, the, of the, course the, it is. The percussive it, 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 chain it, it gang. The chains. Sort of, the yeah, chains. the chains. It, it was it, almost like you're walking yeah. with the chains and it's like, you know what? You're trying to hold it me down. This is not yeah. going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. So my question is, <laughs> what do people that like Johnny Cash that are like, I like Johnny Cash as an artist, not as his beliefs. Mm. What do they think of the song Ain't No Grave? Why can he sing that? What's attractive? What's what's attractive about that? I'm taking this from an atheist point of view. Mm -hmm. If I went through, it's like my music, you want to leave a mark on the world mm -hmm. that will last for a long time. And Ain't No Grave going to hold me down because I'm Johnny Cash and I have 90 albums yeah. of songs that your grandkids or, will listen to. Or, or, or. 
but I believe the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is like, like, well, that's what Johnny means. But I was, you asked how would somebody who was not of faith. So that's look at you, it. Yeah. So that's how maybe they see yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what I was trying to, but it, it goes back to, again, he was uniquely, I was positioned. playing devil's advocate. No, no I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love that thought. Yeah. I think that's a good at, it is a good position. That's, but also, like, like we that. said before, it was uniquely positioned to, to kind of have this pedestal. So I think it just, the art was there. The conviction, the truth, it was just enough to where you, no matter if you agree with them or not, you just have to kind of. Oh, oh, it brings me to a story like Rick Rubin. I I remember hearing this years ago. They were like, when Johnny Cash and we're all sitting down for dinner and he says, let's hold hands and have have prayer. (laughs) He's like, you hold hands and have prayer because it's Johnny Cash. Right. It doesn't matter what you believe. Yeah, it's yeah. like he commanded There's some authority there, but that that, that yeah. prayer. He's like, we're gonna pray. And he never like and, and everybody's like, okay. He never flexed his like rock stardom. <laughs> yeah. In, in any other way, except maybe for that point to just be like, no, we're I gonna love pray. That. You see, the only reason I didn't I put it on my list is because I'm a big fan of Brother Claude Eli's version of this. <laughs> who? Oh, the guy who wrote it, who was born in 1922. And he's like, Johnny Cash <laughs> is full of crap. <laughs> it's yours. <laughs> no, I'm kidding obviously all right let's listen to ain't no grave gonna hold this body down off of american six ain't no grave 2010 seven years after johnny died so let's take a listen wow oh my body down well look way down the river what do you think i see i see a band of angels and they're coming after me ain't no grave can hold my body down. Okay, that's ain't no grave. The banjo's I tasty. Lost. I know. Yeah. I, I uh, a few years ago, I was at a pool party, just hanging out, putting out the vibes, <laughs> and and I was talking to this this guy that worked on these albums. Oh, cool. And he was like, the last few sessions were pretty deep, and hmm. what did he do on the album? He was an engineer. Oh, wow. And he he said we had to really manipulate to get what we needed for those last recordings. Yeah. Like a lot of chopping. Yeah. A lot of like cutting and chopping and redoing. You can hear it. Just to catch it, you know. They were like squeezing out (laughs) the very last. But that's got to be something just sitting there. Watching him sing his last yeah. recording. Knowing ever. that it's obvious, you know, mm-hmm. you can hear it in his voice. Mm-hmm. He's like, but it's, I'm but done. it still worked. Yeah. His, his voice somehow even, went, it's perfect. But yeah. for these sessions, he had the moments where he was really good and he focused in on it and he's clean. Yeah. He's coming through and he's holding it down. His body isn't holding down, but his vocal cords are still holding mm-hmm. down. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what that, number is this? That was number seven. I'm oh, worried. I, I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> all right. I'm okay with that, definitely. I think it's too high, but that's because it wasn't on my list at all. Yeah, that's okay. Well, this uh, is my number three, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, this is coming from Mr. Number 12. <laughs> so raise your hands to heaven. <laughs> all right. Uh, so let's move to number six, something Jake can finally enjoy. Wow. Which is my number six, mm-hmm. Steve's number eight, and Jake didn't have it on his list because <laughs> because he's a total idiot. Uh, 
You have to acknowledge it. The video for this song, Hurt. It's incredible. It's Hurt, is that one of the saddest videos I've ever seen in my life. And it's so poignant. It's so amazing. I never thought, I'm a big Nine Inch Nails fan, much like Trent Reznor, when I heard that Johnny Cash was doing it. I was like, you know, it's Trent Re- that's Nine Inch Nails. That's one of the best songs ever. And then I heard Johnny Cash and I saw that video. And you watch that video and here's somebody who's at the end of his life singing these lyrics, a kingdom of dirt and all this stuff. This is the most successful, one of the most successful rock stars of all time. And here he is at death's door, looking back at life with regret, looking back at life with the cup half empty or fully empty. And when they show the videos of the Johnny Cash Museum deteriorating and his gold record shattered on the floor and looking through all that stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, how sad is this? And this is his last video, really, before he died. And Trent, as I kind of alluded to a second ago, he let him do this, but he was like, I shouldn't do that. No, this is my best song. Why am I doing this? I hate it. It's going to suck. It's going to suck. It's going to suck. And then he's, he's like, no, it's, I'm so upset I did this. And, and then he saw the video and he's like, crap, I wrote a song for Johnny Cash, but that's not my song anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's so good. So Hurt is like, the, especially like the Empire of Dirt, like... It's like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> that is real. Like, and it's someone's real pain of being so human and so entrenched in human f- failure or human frailty. And Johnny's on the other side of that, in my opinion, in, when he even mm-hmm. sang this song, he's on the other side of what Trent could sing. But he knows the struggle of how Trent wrote that song. He knows the depth of the reality of what's real within that song. Well, that kind of happened. I mean, if you think about how his career kind of collapsed in the, the 70s. I'm talking spiritually. Oh, no, no, no talking, but spiritually, yeah, even yeah. spiritually. When he was dealing, I can't deal with drug addiction. My life's falling apart. He gets it. I don't know if Johnny hijacked the song like you said that Trent thought oh yeah i wrote a song for johnny cash now it's not my song anymore well, but that's the goal of all of us yeah. <laughs> to hijack those songs <laughs> but i think for me he identifies where spiritually where trent is mm. but has taken the next step of it's okay it wasn't about a spiritual life it was about the things he collected in his life the earthly possessions if you will that he collected in his life is a pile of dirt at the end of the day. I think of that, that as that, the human spirit, that, as the human man, we're dirt. No, but I was I was more thinking of everything he collected here, and now he's going to die in a year. What does that amount to? It doesn't amount to anything. Here you are. Have my pile of dirt. But what's I, dirt? Well, how, does, how does a Grammy make dirt? Because like, it's going to blow away with the wind a hundred years from now. Dirt. It's it's going to be a piece of plastic a hundred years from now. True, plastic, uh, but or, not or, dirt. or whatever. I know, whatever. It's, <laughs> what are Grammys really made of? <laughs> Honestly, politics. <laughs> Seriously, I've been there. Trust me. Grammys. Know that. Grammys are made of sugar and spice and everything. <laughs> <that you know. laughs> they're they're politics. They're the the heads mm. of the gatekeepers make the rules. By and, the way, uh, in case you didn't. Get it by Steve's thing. He was nominated for a Grammy. Yeah, and it's it's it was boring. <laughs> that's because that's because he didn't win. <laughs> that too. 
Although it's still boring. <laughs> I don't know. I, I see the dirt yeah. going back to the human. Mm. We're made from dirt. Mm. I don't think Trent is scared of those. I don't think he's scared of that. Oh, no. I was thinking more Johnny singing it from his point of view at the end. Johnny back, if, if, is almost, a, almost like leaving a lifeline to Trent. To go, I know you. Uh, I see okay. where you are. Hey, brother, you're f. You're messed up. I was messed up. I, I get it. There's a way out. Okay, yeah, I got it more from Johnny looking back at his own. I, I also think um, you have to give props to Rick Rubin. That's what I was going to say for capturing oh, all of this yeah, because there's he no way it. he yeah. was open to it. He Johnny was, was not finding the song. on his That's own. what I was about to say. It, that's why I appreciate the song fully to no end. But a lot of these covers, I know that Rick Rubin was like saying here, here, yeah, here, here. He knew he knew. Yeah. Cause Johnny Cash is not listening to Soundgarden or nine inch nails. Most likely he has a nine inch nails tattoo, tattoo. on it no. and it's inside thigh. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just some nin right <laughs> But to this one, I don't know why it, it yeah. just got edged out. And and I think a lot has to do with sort of the thing of like, I know it's it's probably Rick Rubin's nudging I guidance. Saw, I just saw it for, from a stepping back, not mm -hmm. what he meant, what all this stuff. But as looking at the artist, this song was a seminal song for him, I think. Absolutely, yeah. And it, Huge it, hit. It, it yeah. kind of stapled him on a new generation who didn't maybe know, you know, I Walked the Lion or... Mm -hmm. Ring of Fire, even exposure for yeah, sure to yeah. to so many people. And he was saying after he did the Americans, he's like, I went in my audience, and all of a sudden there's young kids. Yeah. Before it was like a senior citizens convention, so it was kind of cool. Yeah, I like that. All right, so let's listen to Hurt, the number six song overall, which I nailed by the way. Uh, American Four, the man comes around. Uh, name of the song is Hurt. Let's take a listen. And you could have it all. Okay, that's Hurt. That's number mm. six. Johnny Cash song of all time. <laughs> all right, uh, let's keep it on the new type of thing, the new vibe, the new stuff, the new cashness. <laughs> as we move to number five. And the time. And we're going to keep it on the same <laughs> album. Okay. Uh, American Four, The Man Comes Around, the title track was on all of our lists. Ooh, this means it was, it's a winner. Yeah, so it was my number eight, it was Jake's number 11, and yeah, it was Steve's number nine. Since I took oh. the last one, and Steve and I are pretty close, Steve, why don't you take this? It's written by Johnny, which is a good sign. Yeah, at this point. Right? Because mm. yep. he, he covered a lot of songs. Yeah, it was a lot of covers. Or he picked songs that he thought related to him or, yeah. or you know, could benefit him. The the spoken word in the beginning of the song is killer. It's yeah. it's like and it's the outro, cut. the outro too of yeah. uh, Revelation. Yeah, and the, the lo-fi mic. For mm. those of you who care, it's Revelation six uh, verses one through two that he starts with. He does from Matthew Matthew twenty five one through thirteen. He talks yeah. about he all the stuff that's happening. It's, it, he's taking from scripture in yeah. here, and it's so. First time I heard it, my, my mouth was on the floor. Well, I was like, oh my gosh! Listen to this. Listen to yeah. the guy speak it. Thought. The man comes around. It's so American. Because <laughs> people call God. I just want to thank the man upstairs for oh, know, helping right? me win this race today, <laughs> which I'm okay with. I, 
I think when he says the man comes around that that that's the the part of me that's like uh okay I'm down uh, I'm cool I'm cool with that he knew where he was going he's born again he believes in Jesus he's going to heaven that's his that's his belief this is a testimony of Johnny finishing well mm. um, a warning to those who walk the earth there's a time coming when you'll pay for your sin or be forgiven and taken up with the man, Jesus. All references in songs, second coming, getting, uh, quoting, you know, the book of Revelation. It's actually interesting. The idea for this song came from a dream where Cash, when he was in Buckingham Palace, and the queen said to him, Johnny Cash, you're just like a thorn tree in the whirlwind. And wow. Cash decided that that dream was biblical, <laughs> and he found the reference in Job 38. This is the quote. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darketh the darkest counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up thy loins for man, I will demand of thee an answer to me. That's where he got the whirlwind. He's like, that has to mean something. And that's where his mind was at, to your point. I think is he's just saying to people who don't follow Christianity, is what he's saying here. Listen, here's some scripture. What I'm telling you is that when God comes around, he's not going to be hugging and yeah. peaceful, dude. When he comes around, he's going to be with the sword. He's going to be hard. He's going to, when that man comes around, you're going to be judged. Be ready. Be ready. Be yeah. Ready. Because it's like, you are not ready. <laughs> so just, mm -hmm. here it is. But for me, I, I was just, I was blown away at how powerful the song is. Just mm -hmm. across the board. It's just, I was like, oh my gosh. So good. Yeah. Well said. From the 10 virgins. Yeah, trimming their wicks, their wicks, wicks, which is the coming of Christ, yeah. the bridegroom, yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah, You're pulling from all kinds of scripture for this song. He it's, studied. It's, to yeah, know you this. could tell. Yeah, but it's also funny that he still kind of keeps the people who aren't Christians mm -hmm. in this space too. He goes after he talks about the wicks and hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Yeah, which he's talking about the thorn pricks. But it can be if they're virgins, they're kicking against the pricks because they don't want to have any of that. Because uh, okay. because he says the way he he puts it there is that he didn't he doesn't mention thorn bushes. Right. He it's doesn't uh, mention that. Yeah, it's it, smart. It, yeah, so it's kind of something that can be taken two ways depending on your worldview. So, besides, um, I mean the the heaviness of the song in in those terms, I think the piano really to me stands out in this song. And I yeah. think the production on multiple songs. Were like that, that dong. Basically, it was the bass guitar. Mm. Yeah, acting. It's covering that the point. bass. Yeah. In one of the videos, he was playing the bass. I think it was not this song. It was all about the bass, no trouble. I think. <laughs> yes, that, that's that was the next, next podcast coming up on <laughs> the Dirty Dozen. Oh my gosh! Which wouldn't be unworthy. Honest. Yeah, Ma Megan Trainer next next week. She's a good writer. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not doing Megan Trainer next week. You see, we have everything you guys voted for is what we're doing. <laughs> I don't have any choice anymore. Next, next season. Next season, maybe it'll be Megan Trainer all, 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 all the podcast. time. Brianna and Megan Trainer. All about that base. <laughs> oh. Golly. <laughs> All right, let's listen to number five. We're getting up to the list here. The man comes around off of American Four of the same name. Let's take a listen. Turn it up. And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree. The virgins are all trimming their wigs. 
is in the thorn tree. It's hard for thee to kick against the priest. Okay, that's number five. The Man Comes Around off of American 4. The Man Comes Around, of course. And we're moving right along here. So that was good so far, everybody. So good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, baby. <laughs> that's what I like, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. It was with that. It was with that. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. It's like a Ferris Bueller. Pump up the volume. Now, this one, the next song, we're moving along, and we're going to move to number four. Can't wait. Yeah. This song was shocking to me, because I nailed the number on this. Wow. This was my number four. Mm -hmm. Steve didn't even have it on his list. And this is Jake's number one song. Oh, oh the restaurant. God. And I'm like, Steve, how can you not <laughs> it's have... It's number one on yours? I how... have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> how can you not have Big River on your list? I don't know. Oh, Play it. Let me tell so you why. Good. <laughs> Bob Dylan said, there are so many ways you can go at something wow. in a song. One thing is to give life to inanimate objects. Yeah. Johnny Cash is good at that. He's got a line. The freighter says, she's been here, but she's gone, boy. Boy, she's, she's gone. gone. That's great. That's high art. Tom Petty said, you want to be a songwriter? Listen to Big River about 60 times, and then you'll write something. Wow. I missed that one. <laughs> so, uh, Jake, it's your number one. You can take the, the music. Yeah. I just feel like it's definitive Johnny Cash. It's This has been my favorite Cash song since yeah, I can remember. Um, something about just right there, that intro, the guitar hook, um, and the storyline. There's just so much so much heartache in this song, and, and you feel it. Just like the, the opening line about taught the weeping willow how to cry. Yep. And showed the clouds that a cover up a blue, clear blue sky. Clear so it's just, sky, yeah. yeah, like I said, giving life to inanimate objects. Um, yeah, it's just a, a strong story about a guy pursuing a woman down the Mississippi River. Yeah, it's amazing. Ooh, it's He's, the kind of song I want to write. <laughs> you have a really good songwriter who's good at taking you into an environment, much like a good author who writes a book and bring you into a scene. As a musician and as a songwriter and as a lyricist and as an artist, Johnny could bring you into a scene. And mm-hmm. there's no other song that I would put up on that mantle to give an exemplar for this than Big River. I, I love it. I couldn't put it at number one, but I understand I how you could. <laughs> but m- number four, it was really there for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, sorry. Steve. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to listen to songs here. <laughs> Sorry, I'm wrong. <laughs> no, it's okay. So let's listen to Big River, number four. I taught the weeping willow how to cry. And I showed the clouds how to cover up a clear blue sky. And the tears that I cried for that woman are going to flood you, Big River. And I'm going to sit right here until I die. Uh, that's number four, Big River. And as we move into the top three, everybody had the top three on their list, as you can imagine. I hope so. Let's talk about an album that came out in 1963. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. I know. With some mariachi flair. Yes. Mm. Uh, number three I read you. is Ring of Fire. <laughs> and it was my number three. It was Jake's number four. And it was Steve's number two. Oh, yes, right. Look at us. So we're, it's really pretty much close, you know. Yeah. So. 
You can see how it averages out to three, by the way. So, uh, Steve, it's your number two. So you take the you take the mantle, my friend. It was seven weeks on the top <laughs> of the charts. June Carter. Oh, and I can't read my writing. I probably need glasses. <laughs> June Carter. I, Myrtle. She recorded it first. My it shorthand wasn't is it, not it, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Anita, Anita, her sister recorded it first, and that's what I wrote in here. Anita and, and, recorded it first. That's literally what I wrote. Okay, and, and Johnny waited a little bit because he wanted to record it. But oh, he didn't do I it. love this. I love this. All right, first of all, I love this song. Oh, oh, yeah. I get what I'm pointing at. His his ex wife, Vivian, because it was such a big hit. I like the song regardless of any of this information. I read that she claims that he really wrote that. Yes, she did. Mm-hmm. She, she he, said it was about, right? About the ring of fire being, you know, the thing, you know. The woman's private parts. Right. That. Yeah. And so. Uh, I dove into a, a burning I ring of fire. Say, yeah, <laughs> right. And it's like, yeah. Like, but. But he's saying that June Carter Cash never wrote it, that it was a. Oh, he wrote it. That he wrote it he and he gave her. it to her because she, she was, was struggling and right. she can give it to her sister just oh. to see it. And then. And then when it didn't work out, he wanted to record it, and he recorded it. And it was really his song. But, However, it, but it was still about June. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that, Vivian. That was a crazy oh, story. Huh. I think the lyric I love, melodically, it's like really smart. Yeah, and the horns are such a cool touch and really become the hook of the song. Yeah. Because without that, it's it's a good song. But it what actually it been, lightens so. it too a little bit because you're like, don't do it. Yeah. Dun, dun. It's like, ah, I don't know. But but then when he gets into it, yeah, yeah, yeah. the con- the contrast, contrast yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his vocal decisions and his tone, the mm-hmm. way he went at this yeah. is so amazing to me. It's so good. That's awesome. why it's it's this high up on the list too, because when you hear the song, you're like, it's Johnny Cash. Definitive I think Johnny he might have been know? in his prime. Yeah. When he's saying that. And this is one that's covered by so many people too, to the state, like uh, social distortion. So I was thinking yeah. of that. So yeah. like, this is one of those, one of the, like standout Johnny Cash tracks that of course you're going to be like, yeah, when you, when you think of Johnny Cash this is probably the top three. To Classic five, rock, rockabilly, yeah, right, right, right. you know, rock, rock and roll mm-hmm. country. It was, it was just badass. And according to Rolling Stone, just to be, let's put the other side of the story on here. June Carter wrote the song while driving around aimlessly one night, worried about Cash's wild men ways, aware that she couldn't resist him. There's no way I can be in that kind of hell, no way to extinguish that flame that burns, burns, burns. Mm. And that's what she told Rolling Stone. Because that's what you want women to think about. You yeah. like, yeah. I wish women or my woman would look at me like that. Yeah. Because then it would be awesome. All right. Let's listen to number three, Ring of Fire, off of Ring of Fire, the best of Johnny Cash in 1963. I think whoever wrote that horn line should be, we should buy him around. Well, like, like there, that's, that's a hook that, that is timeless. It is. Right what's now. funny. You is, need to is buy them some tequila. It's what's funny. <laughs> is, exactly. It's so light. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. It's like, Oh, I'm it's very happy. happy. Yeah, uh-huh. like, it's just magical to mm-hmm. me. It's really good. Really, really, really. All right. Good. Let's move to number two. Can't wait. <laughs> Now, this is, once again, on everybody's list. This is my number two. 
This is Jake's number five. And this is Stave's oh, number one. Heck yeah, because oh, okay. it should be number one. Off of Johnny Cash with his hot and blue guitar in 1957. Yeah. But it was a single before then. I Walked the Line. Good, mm-hmm. good pick. Greatest part about it? The humming. Key changes. Yeah. A lot of them. It started at a key, and then it went down, and then it went down, and then it went down. It was like almost like... I'm trying to walk the line, but musically, mm. I'm exposing myself that maybe I'm, I'm not, not walking, walking this line. line. <laughs> I'm trying to walk the line, but I keep but falling I short. But I am going down. But I keep falling short. That's, that's actually quite good. <laughs> oh, I never picked up on that. That's my uh. notes. Yeah, it actually took him 20 minutes to write the song. How good is yeah, that? <laughs> that? That's how the good ones come. This is his promise to be faithful to his first wife, Vivian. Who he followed went divorced in '66 and <laughs> married uh, June Carter Cash a couple years later, and he met June Carter Cash in '63. So, and this was '57. So he was good for ten a couple years, years earlier. Couple yeah. years, couple yeah. years. You know how you always say, Rob, I've done one or two punk. One or you, two. You've done. You've done at least two. You always say the links that we show are in the, the show notes, and uh, <laughs> yeah. I have a link that I'll send you. Okay, it's an NPR interview about this. Is it about sweaty balls? Ugh. It's called. I did, it's called. I walk the line. NPR. That's okay. all it's called. Yeah. Okay. But I thought it was really good. Okay. It's not a uh, YouTube. It's like you read it. But, okay. Um, I thought it was really. Oh, good. I don't know if our audience is up for reading. Honestly, Wait, I'm not really mu- much up for reading. I don't know it those short, ones. It was a short article. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, no, wait, I'll look at the. Is that YouTube? No, I'm not gonna watch. <laughs> what is his words? What's that? No, I totally. So, can't. so think about it. This song, "I Walk the Line." He was on the road with Elvis, the biggest mm. upcoming star, mm-hmm. and he was walking, quote, walking the line while on tour. And if you know anything about how women or young girls act to a rock star or performing artist all of the barriers of human reaction is out the window because it's johnny cash or elvis yeah and and he had to walk the line in the midst of his peace it's laying out his kind of a pledge of devotion he wants to do the right thing yeah but he's not but he's going down down (laughs) you know but it's interesting that Johnny also said that this had a deeper meaning. He goes, believe it or not, I told Sam that this was my first gospel hit. Ooh. Because this was walking the line, not only with my relationship, but it's also, I was walking the line with my relationship with God. He said that? Yeah. He said, this is a quote, I designed this song to be spiritual as well as romantic. Yeah. I get that. I intended to I, write I a think... song with meaning for everybody who hears it, not just me. Yeah. And, and it was also about my relationship with God. I, I, that makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> Let's listen to I Walk the Line number two. Oh, we haven't even heard it. No, we have not. <laughs> oh, <listen>. wow. <laughs> I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. I keep my eyes wide open all the time. I keep the hands out for the tie that binds. Because you're mine. I walk the line. It's 
interesting. The humming that you hear in that is for him to keep on key for the next the yeah. next hundred percent. Yeah. That root note. He's no, in the studio you would do that, and the engineer and would cut, cut it out. It up, yeah. yeah, but it's cueing you for where you start yeah. the next yeah. line. Because, but because the key kept changing, it's yeah. not just like chords are changing. But it's so much part of the song. You can't imagine it without it's, that humming. It's raw. Actually, yeah. if you look at the 1988 version on it, it doesn't have the humming in it. Right, because uh, it's true. that That's mm. production 101. Mm. You would R- cut that clean crap it up. out. Yeah. Oh, but I kind of like that, the humming. Yeah, oh, me too. Oh, I love the humming. I prefer yeah. it with the humming. It's, it's the way you feel it. And it as someone who's like listening and singing along, there's something to that where you want to hum with them right there. And then all of a sudden you're locked in and you can sing along to the song. Yep. All right, let's move on to what we all know is the number one song. Wow. There's nothing oh, else hit number left. one. Yeah. So this is something on obviously everybody's list. Sure. This is Steve's four, Jake's two, my one, False Imprisoned Blues. For me, the only thing you can kind of take apart from this is it's part of Crescent City Blues. Yeah. Because he stole some of the lyrics from that. Yeah, the intro. They got sued. And they settled out of court for $75,000 in 1971 or two or something like that. But, but clearly he, he was the more popular version. Oh, <laughs> no doubt. And it's not the same song at all. No. I, I hear the train lyric, coming. Yeah. It's riding around the bend. I ain't seen my baby since I don't know when. It's pretty much the same. Yeah. And then it's completely different. But it's the beginning kind of locks it in. Mm-hmm. The signature look at the beginning. Great lyrics regardless of where they came from. <laughs> I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. The solo is great, nice, clean tone, and it's just a powerful song to play at Folsom Prison, to sing this at Folsom Prison. What year was that? It was 1957. This was originally on his, it was a single in 56, but it it came out on Johnny Cash with his hot hot and and blue blue guitar guitar in 1957, but the Folsom Prison version of it was the one that became a number one like pop hit, a number one cross-genre hit. The whole idea in the whole world where the world, much like now, is going crazy to have somebody go into prison and play for prisoners was a big thing. Nobody was ever done. Who's the first person to really do that? Mm -hmm. And to record an album from there was unheard of. And to play Folsom Prison Blues, which is about the the prison that you're singing to (laughs) while you're doing it. This won a Grammy in 68. It was, it's huge. This kind of rebooted his career. He was fading into obscurity before that whole Folsom prison blues, the Folsom prison album happened. And this just took it up a a notch. It's a It's a really good blues song. I love pretty much all of it. Jake, this is your number two. I mean, it's probably his most signature song. Yep. Right, the shining example of his storytelling ability. And you, you kind of mentioned to the Tarsos, I think that's noteworthy to say too, where it was, it's like singable. It's not noty oh, absolutely. or complicated, which was a lot of the, them at the time. But And that's what makes it memorable. You can sing it. You can sing the solo. And I think that's also what sticks. So that's what makes the song kind of um, rise above, like I said, maybe his most memorable classic song. The ability of Cash to put himself into the eyes of into the view of somebody else he he took himself and he imagined what would happen if i was that prisoner Mm. what if i was there and to put his lyrics from another point of view but so believably with the nuance hearing a train coming when you're sitting in prison who would have think of that's Mm. the way to start the song 
I hear the train coming. It's coming around the bend. It's taking me out and, here. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like somebody's on that train going somewhere cool, and I'm stuck here in Folsom yeah. Prison. So, yeah, it's amazing. And the live recording, whether doctored or not, you feel the prisoners on the edge of their seats. He's not some nerd that came in to talk to them about whatever to get better and stop Scared your wicked ways. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. He's like, let's talk about getting out of here. He's identifying with the prisoner to the point where I get you. I, I could have been you for the things I've done. I just lucked out yeah. and I'm here yeah. playing and I'm sorry. Johnny emotes to his audience better than almost any artist. I ever. agree. Hmm. No matter who it is, yep. whether he's playing at the White House, yep, or he's playing at a prison, or he's you playing think he's wherever. singing to you? Yeah, and he is. He shapes himself into human, his audience. Human yeah. heart. Yeah. Did you read the story in your search of him going into the cave? Yes. And oh. the flashlight going out yeah. and then him laying in on his back <laughs> and going. Well, and let's, well, well, like let's I, step back just a second. Yeah. Uh, Johnny was at the point where he didn't necessarily want to live anymore. Correct. Mm-hmm. The world was and he, coming, and coming every, down on him. And all of his friends were turning on and, him. And, yeah. Well, he was, he was not showing up for concerts. He was in, in a big drug space. He just kept failing his friends he was so embarrassed to see them anymore he went to this cave where people have died by getting lost and he went in there with a flashlight wanting to the flashlight to die Mm -hmm. and then him to lay down and him to just be one of those people who are lost forever in the cave and he did that this is what you're talking about he lays down the the flashlight goes out he's in the middle of a cave and if you ever went spelunking that's a scary thing without as dark any light. As dark can be. And he laid down to die, and then he felt a calling to get up, and he he felt the breeze, and he followed yep. the breeze, and that took him out. Yep. And June was there. And then June was saying, there. And, yeah. You're gonna. And he told her, "I want to live." And it took him to Doctor mm-hmm. Watson or w- w- Winston or something. Sherlock Holmes, actually. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> And he it wasn't Doctor Watson. It was. I, <laughs> no, I, I loved yeah. the the research for yeah. this. Yeah. I, I will say, if I can say this, I saw a picture of Johnny with his mom in front of her house, mm-hmm. and I slept in Johnny's mom's room for real. Oh, really? A few years ago uh, on you, a songwriting retreat. This. Yeah, you told me about that. We went to Hendersonville for a songwriting retreat, okay. and it was Roy Orbison's house which is on the lake. Johnny's Cash's house was next door, but it burned down. But his mom's house was across the street. I slept in his mom's house. I showed was up she there? Day. Oh, yeah. Uh, in spirit, maybe, <laughs> no, but I didn't I feel it. I showed up the day before the songwriting retreat, yeah. and I was told to go in the back door. And I showed up by myself in a rental car. I was half asleep because I'd been riding motorcycles. Went around the back, opened the door. The alarm went off. And I was like, <laughs> what do I do? Like, the alarm is going off. And I'm like, and I called the guy. He's like, four, four, five, 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 five. Hey, hit it. Went off. I'm not joking. I was probably half awake because I was, had been flying all night. Security guards came to the back. And I'm like, the security guards are here. And they're like, and I, and they came in the house and I had my hands up. Like I'm, I'm supposed to be here. Da, 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 did the whole drill. 
And then I, I stayed in his mom's house with pictures of Johnny all over the walls. Wow. Today I saw a picture when I was getting ready for this and I'm like, that's the carport. That's crazy. Yeah. That's great. Where I walked in and the cops had their, uh. their guns drawn. This is like two years ago. I didn't even take a picture. It sucks. Really? I should have uh. taken a picture. <laughs> Of the cops, I don't think they would appreciate no, that. No, no, of that whole experience. I was there. I lived in that house for no, like three I know. or four days. That's pretty cool, yeah. It still had all, all the old people stuff in there. But even like you said, if there's pictures awesome. of him on the wall or wherever, yes. you think he would at least... Do I didn't little, like, take <laughs> one picture. I wrote three songs. I'll play those songs. That's kind of but a picture, yeah. You know what? I got to share it here. Hendersonville or whatever. It was, it was beautiful. No, I believe You would it. want to live there. Yeah. It's amazing roy orbison's house was like part castle part cabin it was like you walk down a hall and you see like old castle like lanterns and then it's like wood it was bizarre it was so bizarre did people so say, amazing did, did people stay in the room where he wrote all his good stuff or did they have to stay in the traveling wilbury you know section the whole house was open the coolest part of the house was the little out building like the out um house deck that was covered the pooper it, no, oh, no, it was but, like the yeah, deck. Yeah, it was the deck, and it overlooked the I know, river. I know, I know Hendersonville. Awesome. I know exactly what you're talking about. So the, awesome. these houses are just they have these like decks. And it's all green, and and they're mm. overlooking just forest and everything. It's so beautiful, so beautiful, unbelievable. Yeah. Where were we? Folsom Prison <laughs> Blues. <laughs> oh, we're still there. Uh, I can't wait. Let's play number one. Folsom Pr Prison Blues from. At Folsom Prison album, because that's the best one to play anyway. You can play the original one, but let's play the uh, the live one because you can hear the prisoners and it's kind of better. All right, let's listen to Folsom Prison Blues, the number one song ever by Johnny Cash. Wow. I hear the train coming, it's rolling around a bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm stuck in Folsom Prison. And time keeps dragging on But that train keeps rolling uh, That was number one At Folsom Prison From the At Folsom Prison album uh, So yeah, this has been great so far Now, let's talk about the things that were missed So much Nothing, nothing was missed <laughs> Steve, oh, I'd like... in, in all fairness <laughs> Steve did the best of anybody. Why? And, and Why it, would you say that? Uh, no, I'm just saying that you lost the least out of your list than uh, anybody. I got cut. I feel like I got like four uh, solid songs. Okay, that... let's look at the rankings here. Yeah, Jake lost five. Steve lost two. I lost three. So Jake went to the nuanced single stuff that nobody else would did possibly I know? think. I feel like... Let's talk about what was missed, and then we can each talk okay. about one song so let's start with jake since he missed the most these are the songs that jake missed his number six the greatest cowboy of them all never heard of it yeah, number yeah. seven i'm joking so doggone lonesome that's a, that's a classic so doggone number Lo eight oh my god orange blossom special this that album to me is one of his best number nine 13 yeah danzig wrote that song for johnny cash glenn danzig yeah, and number you know, ten, Wayfaring Stranger, <laughs> Mother. All right, Jake. Of those five songs, which one do you want to talk about? It's hard, but I'm going to go with 
the greatest cowboy of them all. And I know I, I've shared this with, with Steve also. Something about this song, the first time it was recorded with Waylon Jennings and they traded off verses because they even did an album together, which wasn't so good. But they were buddies. They were roommates. Even back, you can see that. that. You can see movie. that in the movie, Off yeah. the Line. And Shooter actually played Waylon in that. You could cool. see that in his son. But um, so I prefer the, the version with Waylon and him um, trading vocals. But it's like traditional cowboy lyrics. But it could easily be silly paralleling Jesus with a cowboy, but that's what he's doing. And and you can hear, he talks about riding a donkey. Basically, that's what he's oh, saying. Oh, I never got that. Well, that's what he's saying. He sees every stray that scatters, like it's the only one that matters. It's rich there. If you're paying attention, you get it. If not, it's, it's still a good cowboy Western song. And I like that there's like a choir in the distant background, but I think we had said before that was kind of silly. I'm going to listen to it. Okay, Steve, you have two songs to choose from. Get Rhythm and Were You There? Wow, Get Rhythm. I think Mm. that song is so happy. If you're down and out, probably how Johnny was. It was like a let go song. Like I was taking a walk listening to this song and like the shoeshine boys like you think he's like the lowest job in the world but he's like no you got to get rhythm Hmm. you know you got to get happy and then i think i like the rhythm of blues aspect of it the soul aspect of it um well he kind of played this just to appease what sam phillips is that the guy from uh Mm -hmm. sun records i don't know that story sam phillips always said no matter what he did you have to speed it up you have to speed up he goes damn it okay i'm just gonna do it get rhythm and we're gonna speed it up the hallway through (laughs) and that's what happened maybe as a producer mind i think that i identify with that like there's something about that single that's that's uh, almost like a pill to take in the middle of listening to johnny cash you know it's like oh we're gonna, in the middle of hell, we're gonna get, we're gonna get rhythm. We're gonna be okay. Anyway, so I guess I have mine. I am going. Huh, which one I'm gonna pick? So I'm gonna, you guys didn't put that on your top twelve. No. Or song of note. No that rhythm. No. No. I, I, three that missed for me was uh, <laughs> twenty-five minutes ago, oh, Tennessee yeah. flat top box, mm. and Hey Porter. I tried to put laptop but, box. On. Really? I didn't do it. I could try. I'm not so familiar with that song. The, the, it never stuck. As out I me. said, that was one of the first songs I yeah, learned. You played on for your dad. Yeah. Great guitar ditty. My father loved the song. What I number was that for you? Him. It was my number nine, I think. Uh-huh. Love the vocal. Has a great delivery. The song is about a guitar player who has this great ability. Who's not really good with people, but all of a sudden people love him because he plays yeah, guitar. Yeah, when he plays guitar. And That's ultimately awesome. he disappears, and nobody knows what happens to him only to reemerge on television fulfilling the dream. That's kind of the idea. It's kind of like Johnny Cash's... Yeah. yeah. It's just that really cool guitar lick. If you have a chance, listen to it. Didn't stick it. But anyway, that's enough for that. Thanks, Steve. I had a blast. Thank you, Jay. Was, Thank yeah. you. Yeah, this was a great one. One of my favorites. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. I hope you all appreciate it. And uh, if anybody needs prayers at the end of the service... <laughs> 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 please Come text front. your own personal <laughs> Jesus. That was a really bad cash cover, by the way. I'm okay with it. Right. It wasn't in my song of note or top 12, but I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. All right. But no, it's been so much fun hanging out with these two guys, and it's just such a blessing. And everybody who's paid attention to this point in the podcast, in all fairness, Good job. we love you guys. We totally do. God bless you. And I will see you in two weeks. Oh, we're doing a Smashing Pumpkins. Megan Trainer. <laughs> it's not Megan Trainer. Oh. We're going to be doing Smashing Pumpkins. It's going to be Jake and Ralph, Ooh. which should be pretty fun. I can't wait. And I will see you then. God bless. See you soon.